Hi, and welcome to the Oil and Gas Accounting Podcast. I'm your co-host, Tom Weyerman, Executive Director of COPUS, the Council of Petroleum Accountant Societies. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Sherwood, owner and founder of Sherware, that provides software for oil and gas operators and accountants. If you're a CPA, an accountant, a bookkeeper, an office manager, or if you're an oil and gas operator doing your own accounting, this podcast is for you. We're here talking with the experts in their respective accounting areas to keep you up to speed on the latest accounting news, rules, and data. There is so much happening in the world today, especially in oil and gas, that affects the accounting function of a business. Our job on this podcast is to keep you up to date and help you see more, know more, and do more as an accounting professional in our field. Let's get started. Here we are with another episode of the Oil & Gas Accounting Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Sherwood, along with my co-host, Tom Weirman. In this episode, we're going to be taking a peek inside someone's oil and gas accounting library to see what reference material they have and what they recommend. Tom, would you please introduce our guests? Absolutely, Phil. Today, we actually have two guests with us. Uh, Today, Jim Allison and Robert Tadus, both with Trinity, Trinity Petroleum Management specifically. So, Jim's career in oil and gas started as a roustabout during the summers in college. After graduation, Jim went to work for Eastern American Energy in the operations area of accounting. A few years later, he was transferred to the Denver headquarters from their eastern office. 30 years later, he's the vice president of accounting operations for Trinity Petroleum. He's also worked for Oildex, Barrett Resources, and Apache Corporation. He's a past uh, president and board member of Copus of Colorado. As well, Robert Tadeus. Uh, is with Trinity. Robert graduated from Abilene Christian University in 2000 and spent three years in ministry in Aurora, Colorado, working with teens and preaching. He married Carrie in 2003 and started working at oil and gas at Forest in oil and gas rather at Forest Oil as a revenue analyst. Mm. After 10 years at Forest, Robert joined Trinity. He's been there for eight years as a revenue accountant, revenue supervisor, and now revenue and division order manager. Robert's been active in COPUS for most of his career, and he served as the revenue co-chair for COPUS of Colorado for three years. Welcome, guys. Thank you very much, you. Tom and Phil. We appreciate the opportunity today. It's always great uh, having guests on the podcast. And uh, Robert, I really loved hearing that you graduated from Abilene Christian because that's where both of my kids and a lot of my money went. So. <laughs> a lot of mine, too. Finally paid that off. <laughs> yeah, great. Great. Well, this is a a fun episode because I always love to peek into somebody's library to see what books and reference material they have, because it gives you some sort of insight into how they think. And it also ties in with our earlier episode on knowledge networks. You know, knowing who to go to or where to find answers is key for doing our jobs more efficiently. So Jim and Robert, tell us, what are the reference materials that you guys keep in your library for questions and issues that arise day-to-day business activities? Well, really, there's a number of things that we uh, keep and, and uh, go to regularly. Uh, one of the biggest is, of course, the COPUS uh, coverage tax guidelines that COPUS produces uh, and updates every few years. We subscribed to that many years ago, and we uh, we receive an update every few years, and we make that available to our staff, put it out there on a shared folder, and we refer to it quite regularly. It's a great mechanism to see what all the tax rules and tax requirements are by state as well as tribal. So that's one of the areas that we specifically work in uh, for revenue accounting. Uh, 
the the COVID bulletins are an invaluable resource as well. There's many of them that we know, and, and they're quite good. There are uh, other bulletins that PDI uh, training classes that we've attended, ONRR uh, classes that we've attended, state uh, severance packs and royalty events and training that we've attended. So it's quite extensive uh, set of uh, of reference materials that we maintain. Robert, do you want to um, jump in and chime in on anything that I've missed? Um, a couple of physical things that we actually do have in our library would be like the somewhat outdated ONR handbook, state uh, regulatory uh, handbooks and regulations. I've got a another outdated fundamentals of petroleum accounting textbook that I've referred to every once in a while, that sort of thing. But as Jim said, most of the stuff we have is from COPUS or from interacting with other COPUS members. That's great to hear. I mean, obviously, the uh, severance tax guide that you mentioned is is a real benefit. It's, I mean, it's it's actually not just a severance tax guide, but it's an Indian tax guide, and there's also an incentive tax guide that's part of that too. It's kind of a, a threefold. They all kind of mesh together. And Robert, I know you've been very active in the revenue committee at the COPUS level. I've seen you at meetings and things and participating in their discussions, and you may have had a hand in developing some of those updates and what have you, but that's a great resource. I'm glad to hear you guys are using that. It's a fairly inexpensive package of material to to get and get an update on every year, so I'm glad to hear that you're using that. Yeah, I really do want to echo the, the value of that document. We use it quite extensively. We do accounting and uh on oil and gas production uh, spread across about 10 states. And we have clients that will come to us with properties in a state perhaps we haven't been uh, doing or managing uh, severance conservation envelope packages in if they're, if they're pertinent for those states. That's the first uh, reference guide that we go to to see what are the requirements, what are the forms, who do we call, who do we talk to, what are the rates, et cetera making sure that we get the accounting system set up appropriately and we start doing proper deductions, remittance, reporting, et cetera. Really invaluable. Yeah, I like that you mentioned accounting system because we use that uh, guide, severance tax guide, in our software company to uh, figure out how to calculate the taxes for all the states because we have clients in all producing states. And sometimes we even find ourselves educating the client on how the taxes should be calculated just based off of the COPUS guide. So it's been a really valuable resource. Robert, hey, you mentioned something about the ONRR reporting and things and maybe an outdated manual, what have you. COPUS obviously has a very close relationship with with the ONRR. I mean, we work closely with them. Uh, they, They rely on us. And I know you've probably participated in some of the discussions at the revenue committee meetings and things, you want to talk to us a little bit about, you know, what what that relationship is and and how maybe what you're getting out of that has been beneficial to you as well. Yeah, so I've got a lot of uh, what I would call friend peers in ONRR and in the industry that I've made mostly through just the ever evolving, changing uh, reporting situation with ONRR. Um, going back to well, twenty. 12, 2013, seeing some early Dear Reporter letters that really significantly changed how royalties were paid to owner R and, and, and all the changes that have kind of stacked on over the past few years, you really have to be on top of things with owner R uh, to keep your royalty reporting straight. Chris Carey is someone that I've found to be a really valuable resource there. Um, he's spoken for multiple uh, situations here in Colorado for the Revenue Committee 
every time they have a change or a new interpretation, we try to get it directly from them of what they're thinking, how they got to that decision of how they're interpreting the regulations or uh, the new rulemaking or that sort of thing so that we're making sure all of our clients are in line. Yeah, and you mentioned coming to the uh, society there in Colorado or in Denver specifically. Uh, I know that they've been, the ONRR usually sends a couple of people to the COPUS meetings, uh, not necessarily in 2020 because of COVID and what have you, but uh, they have been very active in coming to our meetings and discussing things with people. And I think that's a great opportunity really to kind of, as you said, make connections with people and uh, we all know about relationships and knowledge networking. And so it sounds like that's been beneficial for you as well. Yeah, I've attended the spring and fall conference uh, most of the past seven years. Made a lot of good peers and friends in, in, in that. And generally, ONRR is at those. And I've also gone to the PASO conference, uh, which is basically very similar, but but de- directly uh, wrote, you know around ONRR only. Great. You know, and I'll come in here and say as well that it felt like um, there's been a lot of relationship building over the last several years with the ONR and with the state tax uh, authorities as well. The, the ability to build relationships with the ONR has over the years improved considerably, I feel. And they've been uh, really helpful and really valuable as we tackle things such as unbundling. Uh, of plants and unbundling of pipelines and all the work that goes into those interpretations and making sure that we're all in compliance. So the relationship, the uh, wealth uh, sharing of knowledge and uh, and just the collaboration through COPUS, through the industry uh, is just invaluable as we've done that work. Yep, and I think ONRR feels the same way. They they look at us as a, as a resource to get the word out on how to properly report, make sure other accountants in the area know what they're doing, so it reduces the amount of work they have to do on the tail end. Well, and in, in, as you say that though, too, it makes me think. I mean, they're on the side of the rulemaking, but they're not on the side of actually applying or or working through those scenarios and situations and being able to get the data in the in the form. So I think that's maybe where our relationship with them. It's the practicality of things, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. You guys mentioned several different documents and you even mentioned some outdated documents. What are the challenges you encounter uh, where there might be a lack of reference material or for guidance on certain business issues? You know, obviously, you know, we really, within our organization, we collaboration, everything, of course. We're a team, we work together. We're about developing each other as well as developing our team. And, you know, if we don't have the answer here, you know, it's through our association with with COVID that we do know a lot of other people that are probably feeling the same pain that we are. We will reach often reach out to them uh, and ask them directly, do you have experience with this? Do you have reference with that? So the, the internet, of course, is just a wealth of information. There's just so much uh, information out there that we will often, you know, even if you just hit a website, a, a, a couple of keywords on the internet will spread you out to more and more information. So it's really being resourceful, looking for uh, contacts and, and building relationships, collaborating, uh, and using the internet to drill out and drive out answers and ultimately get there. And then when you think you've got the answer, you really kind of need to make sure and validate it. And so that's the next step that we'll 
often and do go through so that we get it right. Um, Robert, anything to add there? So as far as challenges go, I think I think clearly if you came into the industry today and you started with the ONR handbook and you reported exactly as it says how to do it, you would find yourself in a lot of trouble pretty quickly um, because it's so outdated to what their current rules and regulations are. Um, so that's a challenge right there. Um, they have provided supplements and deer reporter letters and things like that. that you just have to stay on top of um, in their training. They address a lot of these situations where they'll say, the handbook says this, but this is really what you should be doing. So the new interpretations of existing regulations is a challenge. Evolving regulations and rulemaking um, is a challenge for sure. But what I've found in the past year or two, that's probably the most uh, challenging part of reporting, especially ONRR, is lawsuits. So as you guys know, there was rulemaking that, that went into effect, and then that was overturned. And then there were lawsuits that Put it back in place and so even if you've reported exactly as you're supposed to every single month because things change and they change retroactive um, you really have to stay on top of this stuff and even then you're still find yourself paying interest on a increased liability to the onrr because now you've got to go back and reverse and rebook uh, back to you know january 1st 2017 but maybe that's not really going to be the at the end of this who knows what's really going to be due so you, you always have to be uh, staying on top of these things. And I think even different administrations play a part of that too. So we'll see what happens here with the next administration. Interesting. Uh, Jim, you, you mentioned you started as a roustabout in college. In one, right there, I think maybe you have some intimate hands-on knowledge that an accountant coding invoices or making journal entries wouldn't necessarily have. I think back to the time that I was in Calgary. At, we That was one of my assignments for about five years. And Heavy oil is is way different than conventional oil that I was used to accounting for in the United States. And so, you know, going out with the operations manager and, and seeing the oil come out of the tailgate of the truck, kind of forming a Hershey's Kiss as it went into the processing plant because it's so thick and viscous. And I just think about, you know, some of those kinds of things that I wouldn't have got to see sitting in the office in Calgary. So aside from learning on the job by asking questions or using your knowledge network, what are some good operations type resource or reference books? Well, I, I think you, you hit on them there, Tom. Like there, there's some, you know, uh, introduction to, you know, petroleum accounting. There's, there are some good books out there for that. Uh, the PEI, of course, puts on some training courses uh, that many of, many of us have taken over the years for various issues related to our industry. That's good reference material. The COPUS bulletins and, and other COPUS materials are great reference uh, materials. There's lots of great pictorial diagrams. You know, what does a pump jack look like? What does a wellhead uh, Christmas tree look like? What does a drilling rig look like? What does the schematic down a wellbore look like? Those are all really important uh, things to visualize. I would say that uh, it was a unique uh, situation for me in that I got an opportunity to spend three summers while I was in college working as a roustabout, going out and uh, effectively helping to plumb up wells, uh, set pump jacks, set tanks, you know, all uh, production casing to a drilling rig, all frack water, all those good things, lay line pipe. Uh, it was invaluable. I didn't know it at the time that how valuable it was. All I can remember are those 60-hour hot, uh, hot, uh, weeks 
out there uh, doing what it takes and uh, and of course bringing that into the profession and into uh, my career over the years it's just it's been invaluable I've done a lot of training over the years with with new staff uh, and, and others and I've been able to really uh, communicate uh, you know and, and, and drive the I guess the, the value of of uh, of what all that means, and I would say as well that any time a new person to the oil and gas industry can get an opportunity, go go to a drilling rig and, and spend an afternoon, go see a well bore or a well head or maybe a gas plant. Those are just it's just invaluable to vi- to be able to physically visualize that stuff and and, uh, and incorporate it into your everyday work. And Robert, I might turn to you for just a minute and ask, so you talk about being the division order manager. Uh, right there, that's a very unique role. Not a lot of revenue accountants do that sort of thing. But you know, how did you get trained to, to really understand how the division order process works, for example? Uh, so I'll start with just the idea of kind of that revenue and division orders. Um, I would say traditionally don't always see eye to eye in oil and gas. Um, at Forest, there was definitely a wall that we threw grenades back and forth at each other over. Here at Trinity, we we work together. Um, they're actually embedded in the revenue group and they're kind of support for revenue, but we support them as well. And I guess how it happened was just really understanding and, and trying to get a, a full picture of how the full revenue process works. You can't have without understanding how division orders works. Um, without understanding how the decks and whatever software you're using affects, goes against your gross sales to then distribute to, to owners and throughout problem, uh, problem solving and just got to a point where I understood, I guess, a lot about division orders. Uh, and, and as far as my role of being revenue and division order manager, it's more of a uh, management position where I still uh, lean on the expertise of those division order analysts to teach me every day. I, I would add there as well, Tom, that, that uh, you know, to Robert's point, divisional order analysts are embedded in into the revenue accounting department, into the accounting department. We don't have traditional models here where they're sitting there doing interpretations of the divisional order title opinion and then sending it, you know, throwing decks over the wall for us to figure out and uh, how to book. They're actually in our group and we are all kind of looking at the same material together. They're getting uh, material from our clients. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing the analysis to determine what needs to be done. And it's really a partnership between revenue accounting and div accounting, AP accounting, and divisional analysts to make sure that we've got the deck right. We've got the components on the deck that we need if needed. Uh, and then conversely, you know, we'll get checks done in uh, for non-ops. Uh, we, or, or, or a well that just come online, we may not have seen some land docs yet to indicate, uh, how to set up that deck. So we will go to that deck, uh, but we want that divisional analyst to be pretty adept at interpreting that, that, uh, check of detail or, or jib detail, and then going and gathering the, the information that they need in order to set up a good quality, uh, you know, uh, Set a deck to, to record everything too. That way, it takes out the friction. 
between the two departments and it's, and it's more homogenous and, and flows better and we're all working towards the same end and that is the closed date getting everything processed processed on time yeah very very important to understand that uh, back 100 years ago when I had a revenue position in the industry, um, we actually had a rev. I, so revenue accounting was within the accounting or company organization. Division order was in another, but we actually had two analysts really dedicated to our company interests and things. And so I would say we worked very closely with them, but uh, they still clearly called the shots on that. But it's interesting to hear you guys talk about how it's important to work together. Uh, Robert, you mentioned a second ago or a little bit ago about the accounting desk reference, the petroleum accounting principles, procedures, and issues that's published by Pricewaterhouse and PDI. Uh, just going to mention to our listeners that I know the eighth edition is out on that. Um, it's pretty easy to get a hold of. I think you can just contact the, P- the Institute of Petroleum Professional Development at the UNT and, and get that book. Yeah, very valuable, especially for someone starting off in the industry. Yeah, I, I would wonder if there are any oil and gas companies that have an accounting department that do not have that book on their shelf. Great resource. I tend to see it everywhere. And you guys brought up a point that Tom and I keep hearing over and over, and that's just how important it is for the different departments to work together. And it's, it's not just for camaraderie and making the company run smoothly, but there's a lot of money on the line if the departments are not talking together and, you know, you could be paying taxes that you shouldn't be because, you know, the field guys aren't talking to the accounting department and so forth. So I, I like hearing how you guys are, are integrating that in. It sounds like it's working well for you. Well, that, that's exactly right, Phil. I appreciate that comment. You know, here, here at Trinity, we, we do uh, outsource accounting for a number of oil and gas companies uh, all across the country. And, uh, you know, we're, we do everything from AC to financial. Uh, reporting. So, you know, we are working on their time and we're on their dime and, and we're on our dime. So margins are made through efficiency and being good at what we do, putting out a good work product uh, and a fair work product uh, to the clients that, uh, you know, is advantageous for them and advantageous for us. So we have to be as efficient as possible, collaborate, educate, and uh, be be aligned with one another, and we really focus on that. There are really no, uh, uh, you know, we're, it's a fairly flat organization, so people are free to move about to learn what they need to do in order to do their job. And we really focus on a lot of really good, well-written procedures for most everything we do, and uh, and that way it, it's homogenous across our uh, what we're doing every day. And we've got, you know, supporting documentation to back up what we're doing. And uh, that's how it works. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, mean and lean times in our industry, and uh, we, we, we respond accordingly. Uh, you had mentioned a lot of the COPUS documents that you guys have as reference. But uh, can you respond to how the association and, and specifically membership in COPUS has helped in getting guidance on different questions and issues? Well, you know, I, I, I've been a uh, a member for 25 years of COVID, uh, Robert for uh, several years as well. You know, in Denver, uh, we've had the benefit, except for this year, of course, due to COVID. Uh, you know, we had a monthly luncheon for years and years uh, here with our, our uh, local chapter, hundreds of members, 
hundreds of members that would show up every month for luncheon at one hotel or another that we are contracted with, always a guest speaker to speak about, you know, uh, current events or things that are important to us. And out of that membership and that uh, uh, alignment with so many members, right, just right here in, in Denver, it's just it's been amazing how we can walk across the street or sometimes just another to another floor in our building and go talk to a peer or a colleague that, uh, you know, we value. Uh, they may be experiencing the same thing we are, and uh, we can share uh, that information. We'll get emails from various folks about upcoming training events on our or various states or just uh, one issue or another uh, from another vendor that specializes in something like perhaps achievement or or some other kind of, uh, you know, Avalon tax reporting, those kinds of things. So you've got to be a lifelong student in this business, in our industry, and COVID has just been invaluable in shepherding that whole experience for us. Yeah, collaboration with others uh, gives synergy, you know, when you're looking for an answer, because usually when you're looking for an answer, you need it now. Can, yeah. Do you have any specific stories of how collaboration with others in COPUS has helped in specific uh, problems or questions you've had? Well, you know, uh, I, as I was thinking about this, uh, one of the things that came to mind immediately, and specifically, I uh, I, can't, I can't tell you when or with whom it was with, but I do remember uh, a few years back looking at a JOA. It was an older JOA, and there was a lot of uh, discussion going on about allocation of overhead and, and fixed costs and, um, you know, field office expenses and warehouse expense and yard expense and technical on lease and off-lease expense and how to allocate, when to allocate, and so forth. And it was mind-spinning, to say the least. And I'm like, okay, uh, where have I seen this? What do I do? And uh, and how does this compare to these other properties that we're dealing with? Uh, and I, I remember specifically, um, you know, reaching out to some other uh, friends colleagues in the industry, other companies, uh, everybody remembers Yates Petroleum, and, and I remember reaching down, uh, specifically, it's been a few years back, talking to Tom Kelly down there, and getting some guidance from Tom and, and others that I've worked with over the years, who are, you know, that's their specialization, that's their area, they've, they've seen it, and it's just been hugely invaluable having that, that, that connection. Robert? You have something to add on that? Yeah, um, yeah. I'll tell you one one situation that we had um, without naming names. Um, we had a, a client looking to unbundle for ONRR that ONRR did not have the UCA published for. So through someone that that I met through Copus, they hired him to do the unbundling. Um, after that was put together, we took it to ONRR, and we all kind of collaborated together to take the unbundling work he had done along with working with owner R and, and looking at contracts and, and me being a part of that. And we just sat down for two hours going through this stuff and came up with what, what ended up passing for our client as a unbundled rate, which was great. And then uh, a few months later, owner R actually published a UCA, which was slightly higher than the approved rate we got. That's a great story. 
so you guys have mentioned some Copus publications uh, just in passing, but you know, what are some good Copus publications specifically to have on hand for reference? Besides the, we mentioned the severance tax guide, which is invaluable. Well, you know, I don't, the last time I checked, Tom, I think there were 30 some Copus bulletins. How many are there now? Do you, uh, are we still in the 30s or are we above uh, 30s now? We're much, much higher than that. There's probably like 50 or so. Um, okay. You know, and, and, and there's probably 30 accounting guidelines alone, and there's probably, uh, we retired several uh, model form interpretations here when we came out with MFI 38 a couple of years ago. Uh, I think about 20 of those got rolled into that one master um, document. But there are a number of them. And uh, actually, we are getting ready to discuss here in the coming months uh, a new bulletin to potential new bulletin to talk about COVID, for example. Hmm. We actually have a document on catastrophe it was really related to the hurricanes in the Gulf of Mexico back when Rita and some of those came through. And that was something that we really needed to address because there were so many unique situations. But here we are again, uh, a unique situation with COVID and, and chargeability of some of the costs and things that are having to be passed through or can they be passed through. So that's kind of one of the newest things that we'll be, we'll be talking about at the COPUS level. So, yeah, there, there are a number of them. So, Phil, you know, the, you know immediately there's great bulletins out there on revenue accounting and, and joint interest billing accounting and, you know, areas of for gas balancing and payout calculations and, and those, those, those tasks that we are, you know, marketing all those areas. I mean, if, if you had to tie into those, into those volumes of bulletins and extract out, I can't name you the bulletin number, but those bulletins that, specifically talk about revenue accounting, joint interest billing, overhead calculations, payout, gas balancing, marketing, um, you know, uh, regulatory reporting. Those would be, a, you know, those would be the ones that I would recommend to anybody to always have, and, you know, at arm's length at any one given time because it's just for our listeners, just to give you an idea where you can find kind of a synopsis or summary of what he's talking about, uh, specifically is TR39. It's it's our, the publication catalog for COPUS. It's available for free for download uh, on the COPUS website, www.copus.org. And it does give you just a little bit of a highlight or a snippet of, of what each of those talk about. So you mentioned the accounting bulletins or the guidelines for revenue, for example, AG6, oil, AG15, gas. I mean, those are what we consider to be Bible type. You must have kinds of things in your library if you're dealing with revenue issues. And you mentioned some things on the joint interest side as well. So, Yeah, that's good info. And we can probably put a link to that TR39 in our show notes, can't we, Tom? That'd be a great idea. Yeah. Great. So let's, let's, talk, let's talk just a little bit about training. You mentioned some things that you do, you've done with PDI. Copus offers some training things as well. Talk a little bit about that. Well, Robert, uh, of course, is our revenue manager. We keep him, uh, you know, really tied in. He co-chairs, obviously, the revenue committee here with uh, COPUS in Denver. And, uh, you know, they, they well, except for this year, again, with due to COVID, they, they met as a committee uh, monthly uh, and, uh, you know, brought in guest speakers, always uh, on the leading edge of, uh, of new topics and so forth. But... Uh, you know, we, 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 anytime the L&R is putting on uh, training out at the Fed Center in Denver, 
uh, and it isn't, you know, we've got new folks in revenue that maybe haven't had experience. We send them to the Fed Center for a one, two day uh, training session. Uh, we do a lot of that. We do quite a bit of uh, Wyoming tax reporting. Wyoming, from time to time, will come down to Denver and put up some training to work. We've even sent people up to Wyoming before uh, and, and done some training with the folks there. Uh, obviously, the, the uh, involvement with, with COVID and the opportunities uh, for training. Uh, uh, Robert attends the, uh, the uh, meetings, the annual meetings as well. Robert, let me turn it over to you and, and fill in. Yeah, I, I attend the spring and the fall conferences for COPUS every year. Um, those are amazing. Uh, the work that Nate Wolf uh, puts together um, for state, for severance tax changes and, and those sorts of things, state uh, royalty, and even proposed changes that may not pass the House and the Senate in each individual state, just knowing as those things are proposed and what the status of those changes are and whether they pass and what that really means being kind of ahead of the game is, is, is awesome. Um, as Jim mentioned, we, we do have, uh, pre-COVID, we have monthly um, experts come in and, and talk to the group over, over lunch. And we've had different states come in, different experts, different lawyers, that, that sort of thing. So you're always, again, on the cutting edge of, of the ever-changing landscape of especially tax and royalty reporting. That seems to be where Things are never ever settled. They 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 constantly evolve. And then, uh, as as Jim mentioned, we do O and R training usually at least once a year, sometimes twice, depending on what they're offering. Yeah, different collaboration and, and with with experts that we've met through Copus. I mean, people. I, I know people from O and R that I probably never would have met had I not been a member of Copus and met them at uh, the different events. And we do uh, lunch and learns often at, at Trinity as well. Not so much again this year, but you know we try to schedule a monthly lunch and learn just here at Trinity, and then look within our own crew, within our group, who knows something that would you know the rest of the team could benefit from hearing oh, uh, from over lunch. Uh, maybe Robert will go off to a conference, come back and report what he what he's heard. I may go in and do a little. Uh, you know, mapping up some, uh, a good, uh, gas balancing or payout to, you know, model of what some of that could look like, what we may see from a client, uh, that looks new and different to us. We go in and see some new language in the JOA that maybe looks, uh, new to us. Uh, it's, it's really going to be important to share that information with you. Yeah, you guys made made a good point about you know sharing information within your own company because a lot of companies that information gets siloed a lot of times, and and people hold on to it and then you know here it comes they retire and then nobody knows how to do this particular thing because they didn't share it. So that's a great way that you guys are sharing the knowledge. You know, just having learned days within your own company. That's really cool. Yeah. Now, earlier you had mentioned you know, just a couple of search terms and you're able to find usually, you know, some info on the question that you need. That was funny because just yesterday morning, I think you guys probably heard Google went down for a little over an hour. And uh, I saw programmers tweeting, oh, no, Google's down. I don't know how to program anymore. <laughs> <laughs> because programmers they rely on searching you know for things so much 
So are there any particular websites besides Copus that you use for reference? Um, you know, uh, I go to the state website, you know, um, looking for sometimes just regs, just sometimes code, state code, state regs. Uh, and, you know, just using some keywords, you know, most states, they, they, they'll have, a, you know, an oil and gas section in their, in their state regs that's published out on the website or maybe some law library that makes some of that information available online at no cost. I'll go out and look for state regs and, and start trying to read through it just to see if I can make some sense. Now, granted, sometimes it's, the language is not very clear. It's, it's, it's gray and it's left to interpretation. And that's when uh, I step back, scratch my head and talk and, and then decide who am I going to call and, uh, you know, that I know through COVID that's going to help me get to uh, a closer uh, endpoint uh, and making that, making that call. But state sites are one of the areas we go to. Just, uh, um, Again, the ONR Colpus. Uh, it's just uh, I, rem I, I remember pre-internet. It was it was a challenge, but with the internet now, of course, it's just amazing the information that is out there. And just sometimes a keyword or two will give you a thread that that uh, you can chase that thread and and and, uh, and gain information. One more resource that we might add to the show notes today would be a link that's on the Copus website under resources. And there's a, a tab called Inter industry links and a lot of different resources are out there. Those are particularly helpful for Jim, what you were just saying, you know, finding a state website and perhaps finding a contact associated with that too. So we'll get that out on the show notes as well. Yeah, that was funny. You talked about the regs sometimes being unclear because I remember back in the early nineties, when we first started our company and we had to come up with 1099s and we looked at the regs and it says you're to report the gross amount received to, to the owners. Well, some accountants put the emphasis on the word gross and some put the emphasis on the word received. Yeah. So it was whether you report gross or net. So <laughs> it was just unclear. I don't think it's as unclear as it was then, but that's just an example of, of how you can get a lot of gray areas sometimes. When I uh, specifically, I remember a situation several years ago where I was looking to understand sales tax in Colorado as it applies to uh, tangible materials and, and tangibles that were brought in from out of state and where sales tax may need to be calculated. And it was complicated. It was not good, clear language. It was definitely left to interpretation. And in my research, I found that uh, I was going to do it one way and my peer uh, in another company was doing it a different way, you know, and I'm not sure we ever agreed to what was right, uh, but it was a, a case of point where that was the situation. Well, Jim and Robert, thanks so much for being our guests again today and sharing your knowledge. It's been so much fun. If someone wanted to reach out to either of you or wanted to talk to you a little bit more about this topic, what's a good way to get in touch with you? Yeah, the, this is Jim. The best way to reach out to me is just to email me. And uh, my email is jallison, J-A-L-L-I-S-O-N, at Trinity 
mgt.com. I live and breathe in email, so I'm happy to uh, happy to always respond. And you can uh, call our, our office as well at 303-296-1908. And uh, they'll text me uh, through and love to talk to anybody. And we really appreciate the opportunity, Phil and Tom, to be on the show today. And uh, it's been a great honor and privilege, and we appreciate it. Yeah, we'll put that uh, info in our show notes. And we really appreciate you guys sharing your knowledge with us. Uh, I mentioned our show notes. We're going to put the links to the TR39, which has uh, all of the publications listed as long, as well as the resource link that shows all the industry links in the show notes. And you can find those show notes at oilandgasaccountingpodcast.com. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode. Thanks again, Jim and Robert, for being our guests. One last reminder before we go today, leave us a review, go out to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you subscribe. And, and, and make sure that you get us a review. This helps us understand whether we're getting the right kinds of guests and things on. And it also helps us with our ratings in the, in the actual episode. So again, thank you all for listening today. It's good to see you. If you're an oil and gas operator who wants to simplify and automate the way you handle distributions, joint interest billings, and you use QuickBooks, you'll want to see a free demo of our software at Sureware. Our software was designed to simplify the distribution and accounting processes for operators by integrating directly with your QuickBooks company. On average, we save our users more than 10 hours each week and $40,000 a year in payroll costs by automating the distribution process from start to finish. All you have to do is go to sureware.com backslash demo right now and book a free walkthrough of the software to see if we can help speed up your distributions. That's all for this week's episode. We are so glad you're a loyal listener and spreading the news about the podcast. If you're a fan of the We're Still Here podcast, make sure you listen, subscribe, and leave us a review. 